Why can't we just get along? The Bible gives very interesting insights on why this is the case. Stick around on this episode of Inverse. Welcome to Inverse, a show where we talk about Bible topics. And this, this uh, section that we're in is 13 weeks. We're talking about the causes of unity, the causes of disunity, why people are getting along, why they can along, all those things, why, how it's revealed in the Bible. And uh, we are going to read Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10, which is our starting verse. But before we do so, before we always read Scripture, we're going to ask the Lord for His help to read this holy book. So I'm going to ask, uh, Sebastian, can you uh, pray for us? Yes, let's do that. Father in heaven, um, as we continue on in this quarterly, Lord, we recognize that it's not just you that is involved in the desire for us to find unity, but we know that there is an enemy among us. So we pray that as we read the pages of scripture that you may make those things plain that lead to disunity, and also, Lord, give us the courage and the wisdom to overcome them, is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Jerry, can you read Proverbs 9, 10? Yeah. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Yeah. This is awesome verse. Kelly, what, uh, how are you doing? Good. Yeah, let's actually look at, take a look at that verse there. <laughs> Greetings, and, uh, Jared read, read us, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. You know, we're talking about unity. What, what can we mine from that verse, and how can we apply that to, to unity? Put you on spot here. <laughs> yes, a little bit. Um, I think first is that this unity, it comes from being close to God first. Okay. Um, kind of see it like a triangle. The mm. further we're away from God, the further away from each other. Huh. And the closer we come to God, the closer we are to each other. Yeah. And so having that fear of God and um, abiding in Him and having being submitted to Him, that actually brings us together in a unity that isn't a hierarchy of like, oh, I'm better than you, or but it's we are mutually submitting to God, so we're all together. Yeah, I, th I think you're making an, an anthropological understanding here. You're doing anthropological theology yeah, here. Yeah, totally what I'm doing uh, on purpose, too. On, on purpose. <laughs> I mean, there, I guess some people believe that there are only human beings exist, and we are just floating around, and sometimes we we get along, we just click, and sometimes we don't get along, and if we don't get along, we are just destined for bad relationships and mm -hmm. disunity forever, and that's just the way of life. And many people really live that way from mm. day to day. Mm -hmm. And there's others, and we find this from, from Scripture, this, I love the triangle uh, thing that you, the model that you mentioned, and it's, we are not just human beings floating around. We are all connected to a Lord, mm -hmm. and then we, our Creator, and, and there's this thing that, that, that you mentioned. Triangle. Yeah. You know, I also, I also think that, you know, in the text where it talks about the fear of the Lord, and we know that, you know, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding is that God is not just one, that God exists in this community. Mm -hmm. It is the most eternal, long-lasting unity known to the universe. Mm -hmm. And so to have a certain reverence for that, to have a certain understanding of that unity, we're not just drawing closer to one single person in that triangle. We're drawing closer to an, a community that has yeah. always existed mm -hmm. yeah. in that per per perpetual 
unity from eternity past and all the way into eternity future. There, there are ramifications because this is all really stemming from our understanding of the Godhead, mm -hmm. three persons, one essence, and the three, a plurality and a singularity. I mean, some of the stuff is like, like high theology, but it's really not. Mm -hmm. It comes down to the practical. We just got to get along. <laughs> yes. Right? Yes. And it's not by even human effort, like, ah, I don't like Callie, but I just got to grit my teeth. You don't and like <laughs> oh, she found out. Oh, no. What do I do? It's, it's the, uh, close. I mean, it's the Lord helps us in, in these relationships. Mm. Anyway, we got to get into the, the, the lesson for uh, the, the, the message for, for this week is what are the causes of disunity? And if we're not careful, we can consider unity be some fuzzy wuzzy thing. And we're just talking about fuzzy wuzzy, spiritual fuzzy muzz. But uh, there is a, it's actually a science. So let me ask you, Kelly, maybe my second question to you is, what are some causes for disunity from Scripture that you can think of? Uh, so one is in 1 Corinthians. 1 so Corinthians. Go there. So let's go to the New Testament. Yes, 1 Corinthians, Corinthians chapter 1. Chapter 1. And verses 10 through 17. 10 through 17. In the 17. words of Justin, ish. 10 through 17-ish. Yes. So 1 Corinthians <laughs> 1, I'll start in verse 10. Okay. Um, this is uh, Paul speaking. Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and the same judgment. So first, that's his goal, right? Mm -hmm. Being united together. Verse 11. For it has been declared to me concerning you, my brethren, by those of Chloe's household, that there are contentions among you. Verse 12. Now I say this, that each of you says, I'm of Paul, or I'm of Apollos, or I'm of Cephas or I am of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I'm trying to pause there for a second. So in this in this cause of disunity, it is people claiming they are of different people. Mm -hmm. So this is my favorite preacher, so I'm with this guy. Or this is my favorite preacher, so I'm with this other guy. And they are dividing themselves, ironically, from people who are actually united in the same um, the same mission. Mm -hmm. Side, good point. And I think what's crazy, too, in verse 13, he says, Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? And really, the cause of this disunity here is they forget who their Savior is. Mm. Um, they forget who the focus is. And I think about, you know, even in the church, of we can be of different pastors, right? So this pastor, we're all Adventists, of course, but this pastor believes this kind of theology and this pastor believes this kind of theology so like oh do you agree with this person this oh you're of that person oh okay mm -hmm. and then you kind of distance from that um but at the end of the day like was that person killed on a cross for you no mm -hmm. jesus was and we forget really the point of our salvation i think that comes down to this cause of disunity in this case mm-hmm mm -hmm. tuning on in verse 14 yes. he says i thank god that i baptized none of you Except Crispus and Gaius, lest anyone should say that I've been baptized in my own name. Yes, I also baptized the household of Stephanus. Besides, I know not. No, I do not know whether I baptized any other. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be of no effect. Mm. I have a sorry. Another yeah, point no? that I want to talk about. This it's not exactly about disunity, but it's also about the danger of saying these kinds of things, if I'm of Paul or I'm of Apollos or whatever it is, and that is um, kind of uniting your Christian experience with a human being. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in my experience, there are four people that really led me to the church. One of them is Israel, just so Israel knows. He's not here right now, but he knows Israel that, that we Israel, know. Israel Ramos, one of his sister on the table. Oh, yeah. He's one of the four people. Uh -huh. I'm sure he's um, not listening. Yeah, Israel. 
go away. <laughs> so, um, but every single one of those people, and then people have been other parts of my experience as well, and every single one of them, Israel included, have made mistakes mm -hmm. in their lives. And if I see them as the perfect example of I'm of Israel, or I'm of Jen, or I'm of Shane, like... I will be discouraged out of the church because they're not my perfect example. They are amazing and Jesus uses them in powerful ways, but we are actually endangering our own spiritual walk and our own grip on salvation in Christ when we grip a human being instead of Jesus. You know, it's, it's also interesting what you're kind of saying is that this, this kind of contention is coming because of what people are saying, right? So it's a profession issue. So it's like when someone starts standing up and says, well, he says, you know, back in verse 12, now I say this, that each of you says, I am of Paul, or I am of Apollos, or I am of Cephas, or I am of Christ. So it's, it's people talking back and forth when someone comes up and it's like, yes, I am of Christ. And it's like, well, I am of Paul, or I am of Cephas. Mm -hmm. So to me, there's, there's partially one, an issue that this is an issue of words, and that how powerful what you're saying can reflect a issue that leads to disunity. Mm -hmm. And the fact that you want everyone to say exactly what you say. It's like, well, I, you need to say this, because if you don't say this, then we're not unified. Mm -hmm. When in actuality, trying to get people to become uniform versus finding unity in diversity creates a problem. God never expected Sebastian to be a Justin 2.0, right? Or Callie to be an Israel 2.0, you know, or 1.5. It's like, you are not an upgrade on anyone else or a refinement. We're supposed to be who we are in Christ Absolutely. and accept the fact he is who he is and you are who you are, but mm -hmm. Jesus is the central figure. Mm -hmm. my, my take on, on these verses may be a little bit different. In verse 12, it's now I say this, and Paul, I'm a Paul, Paul, Paul of safest or of Christ. It's just a weird group of people, <laughs> right? Because you have like Paul, who's like super Paul, and Apollo's like mighty in the scriptures, you know? And then mm. Cephas, who's just Peter. And then you have <laughs> Christ. Christ should not be that in list. that category. Right. And so there is a certain, um, Theological maybe not, maybe, I don't know how to communicate, I don't know how to articulate, but, you mm. know, we, we are all, we, are, we, we do have pastors that we follow or scholars or, yeah. or friends, and, and, and to a degree, it's okay, mm. but if we, equip, if, if we equate Quite that That's right. uh, connection with, oh, but I'm, um, and, and, and with the, you guys know what I'm trying to say. It's Paul with Jesus. Jesus it that's Paul right. There's something fundamentally wrong. Yeah. With and it's them. almost like idolatry. Yeah, it's it is idolatry. idolatry. No, just, it just yeah. is idolatry. Yeah. That's right. Sure. They've taken their eyes off of Jesus. Yes. And they've lost sight of his majesty, his yes. holiness, and the fact that he presides over everything. Yes. And then as a result, they devolve into this kind of petty tribalism, right? right? These yep. human constructions. Right. And in this first uh, question, verse 13, is Christ divided? It's if Christ was the, the, the apex of that triangle then according to him, Apollos and Paul and Cephas, they're all together. Yeah. And it's us that are trying to bifurcate these guys. Mm. Christ isn't divided. And the second question is, uh, is Paul Wait. crucified for you? It's like, no, there's this kind of, there is a hierarchy in terms yeah. of this. Jesus is better than all these preachers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Christ, yeah. as your point, he shouldn't be in that list at all. Yeah. And I think he fundamentally gets back to your spiritual experience, right? Which is crucifixion and baptism. Mm -hmm. So it's like, was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? It's like, no, fundamentally, you were baptized in the name of Jesus. Amen. Jesus was the one who was crucified for you. So you come back to 
you know, even the Old Testament God of saying, I am God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Mm -hmm. Have no other gods before me. Mm -hmm. So essentially, it's like, think about who provided your salvation. Mm -hmm. That is the foundation. Mm -hmm. Like Paul was a tool in the process of your foundation, but it is Jesus that used Paul to get to you. Mm -hmm. So don't confuse the instrument with the maestro yeah. who's using that instrument. Yeah. And the other side, yeah. too, is Paul, Paul has so many opportunities to take glory for himself. Mm. There are times people are like, you're a god. He's like, no, I'm not a god. Mm. Or you're amazing. Like, I'm not amazing. Serve Jesus. And so even in this context, he could be like, well, I'm not Jesus, but you know, like, I am Paul. But he doesn't yeah. do that. He kind of takes, he takes the route, really, of John the Baptist, mm -hmm. of I'm going to do my ministry as much as I can to lead you to Jesus, and then I don't mind fading into the background. Mm -hmm. um, because the point is to be united to Jesus, not to be united to Paul or Cephas or Apollos or any, mm -hmm. anybody else except for Christ. So what I'm getting from you is saying one of the causes for disunity is when we take our eyes off Jesus as Lord and Savior mm. and we put that on another human being and they become the lens by which we see everything spiritual. Absolutely. Fundamental reason for disunity. Mm. After the break, we're going to look at what are some other causes from Scripture, and maybe this will give us an anatomical analysis for disunity in the groups that we are a part of. Stay, stay with us after the break. Hey, welcome back, everyone. We're looking at the causes for unity found in Scripture, and we've looked at 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, really good, a good study on that, and literally looked at it from different angles. Uh, Jared, what are some other reasons for causes for dis disunity in Scripture that you can think of? Yeah, um, <clears throat> there's an interesting concept in the Old Testament book of Judges. Now, Judges is a totally savage book where some crazy <laughs> stuff goes down. Wild excellent West. That's, of the, of that's the disclaimer. Savage is a good word. Part, part of the wildness in the Wild West of Judges, <laughs> two scriptures that reference that they did what was right in their own eyes. We can look at Judges 17, Judges 21, maybe at the end of the book, okay. in, in conclusion. Judges 21, 25. Verse 25, very last verse. 21, 25. Can you yep. read that for It us? says, in those days there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Mm. So some of the other examples that the book of Judges gives is... Um, God told them not to go out and intermarry, and they went out into all of these, you know, the, the kind of Canaanite peoples, peoples mm -hmm. there and started intermarrying with their children. They started worshiping their idols. And there's this, you know, in that idea of everything being right in their own eyes or they did what was right according to them, mm -hmm. there's a sense of kind of moral relativity there of mm -hmm. no central um, absolute truth. Absolute truth. Well, you know, and it's interesting because it mentions them because they didn't have a king. There was no central authority. Mm -hmm. God was supposed to be their king. Right. They had the tabernacle that, you know, they had uh, Moses and Joshua, which had faded off the scene. But after that, strong leadership. In the absence of that, they just kind of drifted yeah. and floated around. I mean, the book of Judges, you got some crazy, probably the craziest stories are in <laughs> very close, yeah. And you don't hear those in children's story time. You don't you don't you don't see us <laughs> yeah, talking about it on this show about some of those things. That's what we just say it in a nebulous uh, way. Maybe maybe we'll talk about it some other If you if you think about just jumping back, another example is the story of Samson, which is a fairly well known okay. story, right? Mom and dad, they have very specific regulations, how they raised him, what he ate, all these things. And he meets Delilah, and, uh, or was it Delilah? Or was it the woman, the, the, he had a, first wife. the first wife. Pre-Delilah. Where, pre-Delilah, <laughs> where 
dad says, listen, this isn't a good idea. And he says, go get her because... She pleases me. She pleases me. That's right. Right? Every man, that people are doing what is right in their own eyes according to their own perceptions. Yeah. And again, like Callie was saying, we take our eyes off of Jesus and you go into this no man's land. You yeah. know, this, this kind of reminds me of, uh, I heard an evangelist one time, he was talking to a group of people and they're kind of like talking about, you know, can you prove to me that God exists and how can I know that God exists, et cetera, et cetera. And he tells them, he says, you know, if you were to catalog all the knowledge there is in the world, mm -hmm. right, all the libraries, all the countries, every language, right, what percentage of that knowledge do you possess? Mm -hmm. And, you know, they like generously, I'll give you five, 10 percent, right, of all the knowledge in the world. So his whole argument was, could the, the evidence and the knowledge of God exist in the other 90 percent that you don't possess? Mm -hmm. Right. And so there was a sense of the humility. Right. Because there's a certain pride and arrogance in saying, well, in my own eyes, it's like, bro, there's so many other aspects of this situation that you can perceive. Sure. And because you have the arrogant assumption that you know enough. Right. To be able to set up a regular regulatory moral standard for yourself is where you get in the book of Judges. It's like, well, look, I know enough to know this is the right decision to make. Right. This is what we need to do. This is what I'm gonna, how I'm gonna behave. And I feel like it really is solved by us having the humility to recognize, like, I don't have all the answers. I don't have all the insights. And there's, there could be potentially an insight or a critical piece in the other 90% of the knowledge I don't sure. have on this situation. Sure, sure. There, there's, we, we, it's very interesting. We call this post-modernity. Mm -hmm. And the book of Judges, which was written thousands of years ago, mm -hmm. really addresses post-modernity the best. Yes. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, you know, the craziest stories of the Bible are found in Judges. And many people ask, well, why does the Bible contain these stories? Mm -hmm. Maybe the Bible shouldn't contain these. Maybe we've got to... <laughs> but the Bible's actually saying, if, if every does what is right according to their own eyes. Behold. If post-modernity <laughs> kicks in and we espouse it, then chaos. I like behold. behold. <laughs> this is I mean, happened. there's like there's people were chopped up and sent to the fort and all these things happening. And you could even develop that even further. Like I was looking at a um, you know an article where they're talking about the word of the year in 2017 was post-truth, mm. right? So it's like the the very stepchild almost of post-modernity is this post-truth concept that guess what? I don't care about facts. I don't care about evidence. All I care about is are you articulating what I believe? Mm -hmm. That's what's right in my own eyes, and you represent that. Therefore, I will support you and defend you to the death, mm -hmm. right? And that whole concept of even post-modernity is kind of like, well, do you and I'll do me. Post-truth is like, if you don't do me, you shouldn't even do you because you're doing wrong, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> to do you is to do wrong because mm. it's not what I want you to do and what I think ought to well, be. Well, I mean, done. it's an age where we can't really say that you're wrong. We can't, there's, there's no, we can't, they, they can't get united because you can't say anything to the other person. Mm -hmm. So you, you like your mom, but I eat my mom and you can't say that's wrong. You, even to, that's wrong. To, 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 you can't even have a <laughs> look of don't disgust eat your mom. or moral, well, you, any moral judgment on the other person. Yes. Yeah, that's, I think you can't, and that's, you can't have a discussion. End of conversation. A few years ago, I was in a class called Ethics and Literature, and we were talking about this moral dilemma. Basically, at the end of the day, it was like, will you lie to your grandmother and make her upset, or you tell her the truth? And everybody else in the class like, man, I'm going to lie to my grandmother, though. <laughs> like, I don't want her to be upset. Mm -hmm. And the teacher's like, Kai, what would you do? And I was like, well, I will tell the truth. Like, well, why? Because the truth is inherently valuable. 
because it's the truth. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times we only see the truth as far as it serves our purposes. It's a, the truth is a tool. Uh. Yeah, but it's like truth, <clears throat> Jesus is truth. Like, so truth is inherently valuable because it is of God. Mm-hmm. But we only like it as much as it serves our purposes. And, and this is what creates the dilemma is this lack of transcendent authority mm-hmm. in the situation. Exactly. That if you tell your grandmother, it is very humanistic to think, right? I'm, I'm trying to use philosophical language, but in essence, you're just banning out God from the complete situation and saying, well, if I tell my grandmother the truth, she's going to be offended. You have no idea what God could do in the heart of your grandmother Yeah. if you tell the truth. God exists, man. That's exactly right. <laughs> and because he is real, you can't create a scenario where God is not present. Mm-hmm. Amen. And if God is always present in every circumstance, your moral dilemma is basically pot, right? Yeah. This stuff is designed for the, the rubbish bin, as they say in England, you know, because at the end of the day, you can't decide what God can and cannot do and what God will and will not do yes. because you are not the authority. Mm-hmm. He is the ultimate authority. And God well, can bring, sit there. Let's bring that into the church. Yeah. I mean, Jared, you brought up with judges, but if we have a postmodern perspective on in, in real life and society, how how come that doesn't kick in with church? How come how why doesn't that cause unity in the church? I'm so confused by your question. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. Sorry. So, okay, so we have <laughs> everyone's living a postmodern so life, yeah? Everyone's mm-hmm. doing what they're doing in their lives. Mm-hmm. Why does that cause disunity in the church? Why does postmodernism cause mm-hmm. disunity in the church? Because we have no central authority. There's no central thing. So, and people in the church, I mean, the church today, <laughs> there's many people are like, hey, you believe what you want to believe, I believe what I believe, and we can still eat together at the same table. What's wrong with that, Callie? Because I think it's a fake. Why must you impose your opinion upon Because I'm right, first of all. Second of all, because. <laughs> Have mercy. It gives, sorry, forgive me. It gives Scared. a false. <laughs> Down, girl. You can. <laughs> all right, let me talk. <laughs> Because you're actually giving a false sense of unity of like, you do you and I'll do me, but we can eat together. Mm -hmm. But in my mind, I'm straight up judging you. And in Mm. your mind, you're straight up judging me. And so unity only comes. But again, like there's still this balance of we don't have to say everything exactly the same. Mm -hmm. But if we don't have core things that are the that are actually we have in common, Mm -hmm. then we're not actually united. We're just eating together in tense silence. Mm-hmm. Silently judging each other. Mm-hmm. We we live sure. in the era of alternative facts, mm-hmm. right? So you have your facts, and I have my alternative facts. And they're both fair. <laughs> and well, and they're both right. Yeah. But that 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 that's that that no, you can't have that. <laughs> yeah, truth by nature is exclusive, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And Jesus said in his prayer in John 17, sanctify them or set them apart by your truth. It's praying to God. He says, your word is truth. Mm -hmm. So there there are truths there, but but truth in its essence, and I still believe in in exclusive, uh, objective truth. truth. Um, Not my truth and your truth. But the truth. So Mm. unity only comes in mutual submission to God's mm-hmm. truth mm-hmm. and not us holding on to what our little vestiges of maybe yeah. what we think truth is. Mm. I like what you said, at one point you said like the, the, the core things, the, the central things, and there's that phrase that in, in, in essentials we have unity. Yes. In non-essentials we have liberality, liberality. but yeah. in all things we have charity. charity. That's right. I think that's a great way that sometimes we want 
you to be exactly the same on all positions that I am, and it's not unity, it's uniformity. That's right. But when we have the most important things that we agree that this is what, that's where the basis of unity is. Mm -hmm. This is important, this Jesus factor. Yeah. I think even, sorry, really quick, it's just like all of us, even on this show, we're all different, but we still come together and study these things. Mm. And so even as far as like Sebastian and I are not the same person, you and I are not the same person, Jerry and I are the same person, but we still come together and study the word of God together. I think that's even an example mm-hmm. coming together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm. Sebastian, what's uh, maybe, let's go to our last maybe reason for why are there, why is there a disunity? Well, I'd like to go to Acts chapter 20 to basically 20. show that it's prophesied. All right. Of false Spent teachers. 13 that, weeks in Acts. We're going to go back to Acts. Why That's right. Because right. I, I miss it and I don't want to let go. Mm-hmm. So Acts chapter 20, <laughs> um, verses 25 to 31. All right. It says, And indeed now I know that you all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, will see my face no more. Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men. For I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Hmm. Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with, with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And also from among yourselves, men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away the disciples after themselves. Therefore, watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. Wow. So here Paul is recognizing to the elders in Ephesus that he says, after my departure, when you remove that authority of the apostle. So it's like, and Paul is there. It's kind of like he's that central authority, but now he's leaving. Mm. And as he's leaving, Paul says... These false teachers are going to arise. People, savage wolves are going to come in among you. The devil is going to send people in under the guise of being Christian, under the guise of being religious. But they're there to basically steal, kill, and destroy. They're there to destroy the flock, create disunity, create problems. And then he says, even among yourselves as elders, mm. which deals with the fact that there's going to be an element of pride. There's going to be an element of being lifted up, similar to the Lucifer effect, Mm. which started the very first disunity, right, ever in the universe, Mm. that, hey, you know what? I'm going to draw disciples away after myself, which ties right back to Corinthians. Corinthians. It's like, well, I am this person, I'm this one. So to me, he's dealing with the fact that it's prophetic, that false teachers, people who want that attention, they want that acclaim, they want Mm. that adoration that really belongs to Jesus, to themselves, or they confuse themselves as the instrument versus the actual God himself. Mm-hmm. You see that uh, Paul here is really, I mean, in a sense, prophesying what will happen to the Ephesians. Mm-hmm. And he's giving really a uh, very hard cause, a hard reason for, mm-hmm. for disunity that Satan will, will cause this to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, false teachers will come and deliberately cause disunity amongst you. That's right, because that's what wolves do, right? If you send a pack of wolves into a flock of sheep, they scatter. So what do you do? How do you fight against that? Well, I think the next thing that Paul mentions here is before he, he, he tells him that, he says in verse 28, therefore take heed to yourselves and to all the flock 
among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Mm -hmm. So shepherding has to do with basically two things, right? Feeding the sheep and tending to the sheep. Yeah. Right. And this goes back to Jesus restoring Peter in, in John 21. You have feeding the sheep, which is leading them to pastures where they can nourish their souls with the word of God. Yeah, it mentioned as in verse 32. I was going to mention additionally. Yep. So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up mm -hmm. and give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. That's but I'm realizing word. here that you got you you guys give three reasons about why there's this unity in the church. One, you have people looking to themselves. Two, you got people looking to to themselves. So, so you got pe <laughs> people that are, people to themselves. <laughs> people not looking to Jesus. Yeah. People looking to themselves, and then deliberately Satan coming and messing mm. stuff up. That's yes. right. Got to get close to the Word of God, close to Jesus, mm -hmm. close to the Holy Spirit. Hopefully, mm -hmm. that's your prayer. Hopefully, that's our prayer. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much for joining us, Inverse. We'll see you next week on this show called Inverse.